Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. That leading doctors claim is good for your health. It's in soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside my handsome cohorts and former U.S. Men's National Team teammates Charlie Davies and Keith Pierce. We, of course, are excited to have a show for you today, as always, but we wish it wasn't about the injury to a significant member of our backline for the national team, Miles Robinson. In case you were spending too much time with your mom for Mother's Day and missed the news, the 25 year old center back for Atlanta United ruptured his Achilles this past weekend and his club's 4-1 win over the Chicago Fire, meaning he can not only miss the remainder of the MLS season, but also the World Cup. And that is huge news, Charlie, because Miles Robinson started 11 out of 14 World Cup qualifiers for us. He has become a linchpin in that back line. Give me your initial thoughts on this injury. Uh, I'm gutted for him. I mean, this is a, a, a positive kid who had so much to t- potential. And I think he was just scratching the surface, to be honest. I think he was just coming to grips with, man, I have a long way to go. I, I've, I think I've had relatively um, you know, short-term success, but ultimately I can be so much better. With, with the ball, you know, I think his, his command of the box – being able to move people around and not necessarily rely on a veteran to kind of organize the team. I think he was coming. I think he's improved a long way with that, but also breaking, breaking lines with passes and, and, you know, not just relying on his athleticism. He's come a long way and he still had so far to go. It's really a tough one because this is a a real, I think a real positive influence in the locker room. Yeah, and Heath, what are you what are you thinking? Um, outside of all the obviously progression that he's made, as we've seen in front of our own very eyes, when he really emerged during the Gold Cup last summer, scored the winning goal in the Gold Cup final, an extra time with the header, wearing the number twelve shirt, like I did once when I scored against Mexico, early flex mm-hmm. of the day. But but how are you feeling about this? Not only from a collective standpoint, but also on an individual level, because if we look at it pretty hard here, he's twenty five, and given the amount of talent we have coming through the pipeline, there's no guarantee that he'll be back for 2026 as hard as that might be hard as hard as that might be to say out loud it's a real possibility this is a real shame this injury yeah it's uh, by the way what a way to weave in a humble brag jimmy just by the na- number on a jersey just to chuck that back into uh into the mix yeah. which is great by the way i just want to i want to it is it is an it's impressive part of my flex. charm it's very, part of my charm very, very quickly thank you it's it's a huge loss and and we've seen it right if you go back and you hear the stories you know i've i've talked to Steve Chirondolo about this, Eddie Pope. I've talked to a number of uh, former players. And you always hear about the guys that you're like, oh, yeah, two weeks before or three weeks before or one month or six months, I was injured before a World Cup and didn't get their chance. Or they had to wait another four years. And you hear about these stories. And it's a regular thing in the sport, injuries, right? But I, I think Charlie said it well with, with, with Miles. It's, it, it, he was, I think, just realizing the upside that he could potentially have. He's not super young, as you mentioned. So 2026 is not guaranteed. He was in prime position now. I, he was a he was a lock in the national team in mm-hmm. terms of the roster. Uh, now it becomes a little bit more 
uh, complicated moving forward just because of health and and how you bounce back and the 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 peak of players is getting younger although he is a center back and would still be able to help but I think the pipeline of players is also going to be more difficult in four years from now so it's a really challenging uh, situation from him and I don't know if you guys watch the actual video of when he goes down but they're putting him on the stretcher mm-hmm. and he and he and he almost refuses to lay down because he's kind of just like he needs a moment to realize. And I've had injuries before, you know, significant ones and and especially ones that are repeating. You, you go through that, but you just see it in his face where uh, and this actually example happened to me, U-17 World Cup. I broke my leg the summer before the U-17 World Cup. And I just remember sitting there thinking and I was on the laughing gas. My leg was sticking one direction. My body was going the other. And I just remember thinking like my whole world flashed before my eyes, like all of this work. And that was just the beginning, right? I was still an amateur. I was in high school. But you could see this disappointment on his face of just how much work he put in and how far he had come and how close he was to achieving ultimately his big goal. And I'm actually curious for for both of you guys on this question, and I don't want to shift it too much. But my generation, I remember, and I guess we're all sort of part of a a, a wider spectrum of, of, of single generation, but I never dreamed of playing for a club. I dreamed of playing for the national team. And then when I dreamed of playing for the national team, I dreamed of the Olympics and I dreamed of a World Cup. That was it. That was all I knew growing up because I knew of this thing called ODP and I knew of this World Cup because that's there. I had no visibility to anything else. And I wonder if it's the same for him being the age that he is. But I'm assuming it's the same for you guys, right? I mean, as you get older, you think about clubs and things like that. But was that not the number one goal and dream for for for, for both of you in terms of getting to that? And I guess I'm talking about just Listen, the, the deflated look that he had. The, there was the LA, LA Lasers played indoor soccer where I was a kid. Okay, I had aspirations of of uh, playing indoor at one point. I wanted to was, play for the Portland Pride. By the way, that was my favorite soccer is when they were in the indoor yeah, indoor league as because well. Because you could see it; it was tangible, it was real. You could kind of visualize yourself out there. That's why it's really important for young players to go watch games in person because I think it aids in that ability to visualize what's possible. But yes, obviously, the, the when I had posters up on the wall or anything, I was cutting out of Soccer America back in the day. It was always guys wearing the U.S. men's national team. Desmond Armstrong, Marcelo Balboa, Eric Winalda. Don't tell him I said that because his head's going to get even bigger. <laughs> uh, you know, all those guys that I really looked up to a lot. How about you, Chuck? Yeah, I, I had the New Hampshire Phantoms. I mean, the, that's the club I wanted to play for. But the national team was always the goal. And in particular, the U.S. versus Mexico match is the one I really wanted to play. And that was that was at the top of the mountain. So, um, you know, later on it was, oh, I want to play for Arsenal. I want to play for Real Madrid. But those didn't kind of that, – that's not how the dream started. It was always representing your country in a World Cup in the Olympics. And so, um, you know, I, I I can relate. You know, I was six months away from from playing in, in the World Cup and, and kind of achieving something that I had dreamed of achieving since I was a kid. And woke up to, nope, you're never going to play in a World Cup again. Um, you know, so I think for him, it's it's just about staying positive through this process because there's there have been a number of players um, who have come back and, and have had a successful career post-Achilles injury. I mean, I think David Beckham is probably the first one that comes to mind, um, you know, was able to still come back and and perform really well. So I think he'll, he'll be, you know, fine in the end. He's going to obviously see, you know, the top doctor for that, for that um, surgery and and uh, man, uh, I'm so gutted for him because he's such a good kid. Yeah, we're also going to get more information about the significance or severity, let's say, of his injury because I guess there's different types of grades in terms of the tear and how fast he can recover and all that. But that said, even if it's the minimal one, there's still a lot of work to do to get back to where you were and get kind of get that trust in that area of your body again. But 
we have a special guest here, and I want to ask him the same question, Heath, that you just asked me and Charlie. It's Michael Perky Parkhurst, former U.S. Men's National Team Defender, MLS Rookie of the Year, six-time MLS All-Star, MLS Defender of the Year, all around great guy who also won MLS Cup and an Open Cup and almost won a couple more with the New England Revolution, but couldn't really get there. This is how it goes with the Revs. Am I right, Parky? At the throw some shade at him. Parky also played for Atlanta United and was there when Miles Robinson was developing into the player that he is now. And I'd like to think that Parky was one of his mentors. Michael Parkers, welcome to In Soccer We Trust. How are you doing, my friend? What is up, guys? I am exponentially better now that I'm talking with you three. <laughs> I Let's love go. That. I love that. So, so... Let's talk a little bit about Miles Robinson. I saw your tweet. It was just five no's in a row. No, 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 no. I assume you're still friendly and still speaking with Miles. What, what have you spoken to him? That's one. And second, like, how are you feeling once you see that, knowing that his dreams of probably playing a World Cup, at least for 2022, are over? Yeah, I have spoken to him. Um, yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, Miles is an awesome dude, and we had a good relationship. And, uh, yeah, I talked to him a lot. And um, so, yeah, I was just gutted watching it. I mean, it's just crazy because you see Brad go down like, I don't know, it's two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Achilles. And now, I mean, as soon as you saw it, you're just like, no, no, I didn't just see that, right? It couldn't, it could not be the same. Um, but I think Especially everyone. Especially a non contact, you know? Exactly. But I think yeah. everyone, as soon as you see Miles' reaction, you're like, yeah, it probably is. So, um, like you guys said, just devastated for him. You know, he's he's a guy that's uh, uberly talented. I've, I've said it from, like, early on that he's the best one-on-one -on -one defender that I've ever played with, ever seen, uh, ever been around. Um, kind of hurts developed. my feelings. I'm surprised he didn't say besides himself, you know. besides. <laughs> <laughs> I had some talents, Heath, but one-on-one -on -one defending wasn't one of them, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, but but it's like the classic, what's his name, the Italian that said, like, if you're in the good spot, you don't ever have to, like, tackle, you know. You don't have to, like, make those plays. You just read the game before mm -hmm. anybody else. You don't get into one-on-one -on -one situations. That's um, right. But uh, let me ask you this, Parkers. <laughs> You know, for a player like him, we we were super high on 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 Robinson when he was uh, at his best in the national team. Then he hit a little bit of a dip of form. I mean, how how much upside do you think he still has as a player? Obviously, I don't want to focus too much on the performances because we're going to lose him here for a bit. But just in terms of the quality, you're saying that he's the best one-on-one -on -one defender that you had seen. He's got obviously got a lot of physical tools. I mean, how good could he potentially be, uh, both for the national team and and at the club level? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to hype him up too much um, either because you know it's it's that's challenging um, for him and and everything. But that that said, he's only played consistently for three years now. Um, you know, I know he's twenty five, so you're right; he's not young. But for a center back, only like basically three years of experience, he's still kind of young in his development. Um, you know, I, I've seen some things and, and you're right. I do think that he had a little bit of a dip, which is, un, which is rare because he, like, usually miles is just so consistent, just good performances, you know, small little mistakes here and there, but, um, he did have a little bit of a dip and, uh, 
you know, I, I think there's things that he can work on. You know, he still relies on his, his athletic ability too much sometimes, um, thinking that he can just out jump guys and, and win every foot race. And he, he doesn't use his physicality as much as he should sometimes because um, I think he takes it for granted. But it is little things. But I, I definitely think that he's the most talented center back in, in the pool. And, um, you know, he, for me, was uh, CB1 when you're looking at the, the World Cup. So in, in terms of CP1 for the World Cup, now with him not there, considering what he provided as, as far as cover for Walker Zimmerman and, and just being able to cover so much ground, and I thought he started to develop with the ball at his feet with the national team as well, building that confidence. Who, in your mind, could fill his shoes? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um you know, I, I agree with you. I think him and Zimmerman were definitely top choice. Um, you know, the performances and, and the statistics say that, you know, when those two played together, uh, they were pretty locked down. Um, you know, and that's crazy because, you know, Zimmerman took his chance, right? He wasn't even in the team, right? He got called in because of an injury or something. And then, like, he was he was wearing the armband, like, 70 minutes later in a game. Uh, so it's just nuts, um, his rise and how well he's taken advantage of his opportunity. So for me, um, he's the leader on the back line um, in the middle. Uh, and so for me, it's who do you pair with him now? Um, and, and I don't know. It, I think John Anthony Brooks is back in the conversation, um, you know, if he wasn't already. Um, Aaron Long's there. Chris Richards is there. But, you know, Chris has got injuries, histories as well, going through stuff right now and club situation, don't know for the fall. Uh, so there's big question marks. Um, so, which is crazy. So I think for me, man, Aaron Long's looking looking all right right now. Um, you know, I, obviously everyone's got their positives and negatives um, characteristics, but um, you know, he he's had a lot of experience under Greg. So who also came back from Achilles? That's true, and it took him a while, right? Does it take mm-hmm. him what close to a year, if I'm not mistaken, or around a year? So, Parky, my question for you is, who would you want to see? In terms of just attributes, doesn't have to say a name, but but given what Walker brings to the table, if he's one of your center back pairings, who do you do you, do you want somebody with with some recovery speed or or you know because Aaron Long can fit that bill, assuming he's back to 100, percent which you know I think he's still working towards that. You have uh, Eric Palmer Brown, who just had a big two two results for Twa against PSG this past weekend. He's getting a ton of experience and has been a lockdown guy for them over the last 14, 15 games. He's on loan from Manchester City. He's got a lot of experience. And as you mentioned, Chris Richards, we seem to be a little bit uh, Mark McKenzie oh, no. as well by them. Mark McKenzie, right Tim Lee. Right yeah. no, I mean, there's forget- a lot of guys. So I guess no, it's just no. attribute still, wise. I'm still forgetting your guy, Cameron Carter Vickers. Cameron Carter Vickers. That's right. Yeah. He's going to win a second uh, trophy with Celtic. I mean, we got plenty of guys, but, but what do you think would be the right pairing? From an attribute, but if you if you look at Walker, I think he's he's good at putting out fires before they start. He's good at putting guys in good spots to make plays. I think team shape wise and how he holds the line, he does a very good job of that. I'm not saying he's alone in that. Everybody's got to be thinking the same things, but it seems like he's the vocal leader back there. So who would you like to see next to him, just from an attribute standpoint? Yeah, it's nice that you're looking to pair somebody with him because he doesn't have a ton of negatives. Right? He he is that leader, so you don't have the other center back doesn't have to be a leader. Right. It can be somebody that's just got straight talent and ability on the field. Um, so that's that makes it a little bit easier, honestly, especially if you're bringing somebody that doesn't doesn't have a ton of national team experience. If you wanted to bring a McKenzie or, or, or Chris Richards, I know that these guys have been involved, but they don't have a ton of caps. Um, so, you know, I think it gives them a better opportunity rather than if it was if it was probably 
Miles or maybe even somebody with less experience than those two, right? Then you probably have to look at John Anthony Brooks. But because Walker has those attributes, you know, that probably hurts Brooks, honestly. Um, so you can you can pair him with a younger guy. Um, you know, maybe somebody a little bit more athletic as far as pace. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know if I've seen enough of those guys play for the national team specifically um, to know exactly who is the best, you know, other than John Anthony Brooks. And, and we know what his ceiling is. It's, it's probably higher than the rest of them, but we also have seen the floor and uh, that that's not pretty. And, I've, and I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe they've got some stuff off the field yeah. with him and Greg, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's back in the mm-hmm. fold at all. I just can't believe Parkhurst is bringing one center back to the World Cup. That's it. You know? <laughs> uh, he just he just uh, he just denied the rest of them a a, t- uh, a plane ticket uh, to to Qatar. Uh, but Parkhurst, I mean, honestly, I, w- I want to talk about this because you know while you were talking, you had mentioned John Anthony Brooks and and the quality that he has, and we've talked a lot about this recently about owning owning that back line, right? Having one person that's like when I say step we step when I say drop, we drop and having that trust and respect of somebody who's willing to take that responsibility. And you had said that that might be actually a detriment to John Anthony Brooks because he does have that experience and that upside that he may be doing what he wants when he wants versus being part of a cohesive uh, unit. I mean, for you as a player, this is just more about, about your experiences. I mean, how important was that to have that type of balance going into a world cup now where you need to have that trust between center backs and your fullbacks that somebody has to be able to own that line and everybody else has to, really kind of fall in line. Has that been your best experiences or can it be two leaders back there where, I mean, of course, everybody's talking all the time and communicating, but somebody who really takes the onus of saying, this is my back line, win or lose, it's going to be on me. Yeah, I think it could work for a game, maybe two, if you don't have that relationship. But I think that, you know, to have real success in the World Cup, you know, at at that stage and, you know, you have to have some uh, cohesiveness, you have to have a partnership. And and so it's not like Greg's got the time to rotate guys in and out for for camps upon camps here. Um, You know, whoever he picks um, for the next couple games, I I would say, unless they really struggle, um, those are my favorites to play because you want to you want to create that. It's it's really difficult to play with a new center back partner, um, especially when you're playing against the best players in the world. Where, you know, one foot the wrong way, you know, one little mistake, and all of a sudden you're out of the World Cup, or you know, you give up a goal that really hurts you. So, uh, I, yeah, it's not envious of the situation right now. But <laughs> then again, if if I'm Chris Richards, if I'm Aaron Long, if I'm Mark McKenzie, I'm thinking, hey, this is my chance, right? I got right. an opportunity now. Uh, that they maybe didn't have as big of an opportunity before. Uh, so, you know, those guys got to be licking their chops thinking, shoot, this next six months, this could make or break it here. I'm interested from a center back's perspective, Parky, because you're one of the best center backs I've seen playing out of the back. And and you've also had time playing on uh, at the right back position with Norshaland and, and doing it in Champions League. So for, for this men's national team, for the U.S., who – would you like to see at the nine? Is that a, a player who's going to run in behind and create space for Christian Pulisic or Gio Reyna underneath or Timothy Weah? Or would you rather see someone like a Jesus Ferrer who's going to check in all the time? You can play to his feet, break the lines, because it, it feels like now's the time that we have to make a, a decision what, what that nine is going to be, because you can't have a, a nine who's just rotating from game to game depending on who you're playing against. It's got to be a nine who can play in any type of style and and know – the team has to have kind of an identity. So in your opinion, who who should be the nine and what kind of qualities should they have? 
Hey, Parky, real quick, before you answer, I just want you to I just want to point out what Charlie just did by complimenting you and defenders just to make it about number nine. <laughs> I was about to say this about number thing. nine. Like Charlie has no interest in anything is, we are talking about this right is a now. Podcast he just wants to about get defenders. To, and he, he just wants to he just wants to, to make it about, about the number nine. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey Parky, you were good at playing out of the back. What do you think about the number nine? <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going there, Charlie, because hey, I think uh, I was not too far away from being a successful number uh, nine. I just never yes. had the opportunity. I thought so. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that one thing Greg always stressed when I was with Columbus was runners in behind. And so, you know, if you play with wingers that don't run in behind, you have to have a number nine. It's going to stretch the back line. Um you know, so uh, some of it depends on who you play at the winger position um, because, you know, Ferreira can do it a little bit, um, you know, but he he definitely likes to, you know, float or float around a little bit, come, you know, play off the striker position. Um, and, and that's fine. But then you have to have wingers that are stretching the field or, or outside backs that are pushing up, um, you know, because if everyone's if no one's stretching the line, right, it just makes it too easy for the defense. Um, you know, for me, I think right now Pepe is your best opportunity but he's in a bad situation right now i mean i was there at augsburg under that same coach and um obviously did not have a good um experience with him uh and i'm not surprised you know at the current situation there because i just didn't think that he was a great coach uh so i you know unfortunately i don't think Pepe's going to make significant strides um were you shocked that he, that he went yeah, there in terms of like say, a young why, young star i mean I, that much I, I mean i was shocked i was shocked that like how does this make sense for a young guy who's in form right now to go to a club that's fighting relegation parky you know what it's like there when you're fighting relegation and you're in, in, in a smaller club how difficult that is and how just sort of in uh, like unstable the floor is uh it's so tough it's so challenging shoot and i did it in in denmark where it wasn't as much pressure as germany right yeah when i went to germany it was we fought relegation as well but i wasn't playing that much so it was a little bit different um but i mean i was surprised like doing that i'm surprised they paid that much but no i'm not surprised he took it because right that's that's significant sure, sure. money mm-hmm. uh so he's got to be making you know a good chunk of change so that that's tough to turn down right it's tough to say oh that's not a good opportunity for me you know especially if you believe in yourself right i went there and i believed in myself i said i'm going to change this guy's attitude towards me um you know but it just didn't happen and so i'm sure he thinks the same thing and right he's, he's a kid that works his tail off so you know they're going to give him every opportunity of course but it's not a great situation for him headed into a world cup that's for sure so, Parky, you played four years with the Revs and then made the move to Denmark to play for Norseland for five years. And as Charlie said, you got to play in the Champions League, then moved to Augsburg in this Bundesliga for two seasons, then came back to MLS. Now, I know there's a lot of talk. We see some players that go, they come back. You know, how important was that experience for you to go over to Europe and kind of get outside of your bubble? And then, obviously, to make the decision to come back and be like, hey, I, I actually need some games. I need to play because uh, sitting on the bench watching others isn't that great either. I only came back at that time. I wasn't playing at Augsburg, but I only came back because the World Cup was six months away and I had a legit chance to make it. Right? I, was, I was in that 30-man camp right before the 2014 World Cup and you know I was one of the seven that was cut. So I had a good chance of making the World Cup and I knew that I needed to be playing regularly in order to you know, really give myself a chance. Um, so that's why I came back um, because I, I, we, I enjoyed my time over there. I loved it. Um, 
you know, you, you take a chance, right? You, you think going to Denmark is probably pretty level with MLS. You know, I didn't go over there for the money. It was for the experience and, and to challenge myself and to see if I could do something with it, right? And it, yeah, of course, we, we pull like a Leicester City-esque run. We win the championship and, and play in Champions League. It's nuts, right? You know, that's that's probably the club dream. Like Keith was talking about World Cup, right? And that club, it's like, yeah, you want to play in Champions League. Uh, so yeah, so glad that I did that and an awesome opportunity. Um, but I always say it's not for everyone, right? It not, not, you don't have to go anymore, right? You can make a good living in MLS. The level is good. Um, it's not up for everyone to, to challenge that and to want to do that and to have, uh, the family that wants to do it as well. And then have mm-hmm. like, um, you know, that support system because some guys go over there, they don't have any support system. They end up in this small little town with nothing going on. They're in the middle of nowhere, um, they just go to training and they go back and they sit at their apartment. And if things aren't going well on the field, then life is terrible. Um, and so it's 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 it can be challenging. I will say this, though, Parker, you did live in central Copenhagen. Uh, so it's you yeah. know in your old apartment. Yeah. Exclude yourself from being out in the suburbs. You know, actually, you did move to the suburbs eventually, but that was by choice. Uh, you know, you were a family man. You had to get out of all the chaos because, you know, uh, where we actually where, where Parkers and I actually lived was a pretty rowdy area of uh, of town and, and full of life. Single but, Heath. We need yeah. uh, just a podcast <laughs> alone on Single yeah, Heath. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. No, we don't. Um, uh, you know, Parkers, uh, I, I guess, I'm, you know, while we have you here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super curious just about, you know, Charlie mentioned it a little bit earlier and it felt like. You know, the way that you played with Columbus, with with Greg, the way Greg, it seems like he wanted to play. He wanted to have our the center backs wide, fullbacks high and wide, space for the midfielders to move and, in, and interchange and, and build out. And it feels like we got to a certain point in qualifying where we just accepted like, hey, Walker Zimmerman's the guy and he's not going to play out. He's not going to play through things. He can make a good pass and he can, you know, he can do those things solid. But he's not a John Anthony Brooks in terms of can hit a long diagonal, can play through tight lines, can those types of things. Do you think... Uh, that's been an evolution for Greg Berhalter because it does seem like how we wanted to play and how we're actually playing in terms of building out is a little bit uh, different than what I think he'd ideally want to do. Yeah, and I think it's a challenging ask to play center back under Greg, right? Because you're really torn because he's saying play out, play out, play out, play out. And you know that, you know, the more times you play out, the more risk there is of making one mistake. And that one mistake might end up in the back of your net versus those eight, wonderful passes you broke lines that you know you give it to a number nine and they don't do anything with it you know and um you know <laughs> throwing shade at number yeah, nine you got plenty exactly. of time for it parkour exactly. hey this yeah. is yeah. a defender the risk reward there it sometimes doesn't balance out right and i think that we went through that a little bit with columbus especially when we played the red bulls right because with the Red Bulls, they pressed for 90 minutes, and it was like, you might play out of that eight times perfectly, right? But those two times that you don't play out are way more dangerous for them than those eight times that we do play out. Uh, so we got to a point where it was like, hey, we got Kai Kamara up there. Like, let's just kick the ball long, and we'll play off Kai, um, right? Like, okay, we've got this style of play that we can rely on in certain aspects and certain mm-hmm. times, but hey, like, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot here, right? Let's play to our strengths um, and, and their weaknesses sometimes, and and that's a challenge for center backs under Greg because I think they get torn as to should I play out or should I play safe here, especially, you know, what the opponent is, what, what the score is, what, how, the field conditions, whatever the stuff, right, that players are thinking about. But then they got Greg in the back of the mind, like play out, play out, play out, play out. So it, it, it's really challenging sometimes. 
but you navigated it well, I, I might I might add. Um, in terms of Greg Berhalter, you, you played with some you played for some great managers. I mean, all the way back to Stevie Nichol and Paul Mariner, you know, and Tata Martino. And seeing that where Greg was, and I remember thinking when we played the Columbus Crew, I was like, yes, because I know you guys were playing out of anything. It was like, well, press, press. If you're a striker, you're gonna get chances. But it's just that's just how it is with the way you played. But seeing how Greg has matured, where do you think his strengths are right now? And, and how have you seen his development with this group in particular? Well, number one, I think that he's brought the, the national team together, right? The camaraderie within the group seems to be like an all-time high. And that's just from the outside looking in, right? I, you know, I talked to a couple of the guys, but, you know, I'm not in there. I don't know that for sure. And you guys, you three probably know better than I would. But just from an outsider's perspective, it just seems like the mood within the national team and the mood to be in a camp um, is just really high. It seems like they enjoy being around each other, enjoy enjoy playing for Greg and and um, the project and, and the, the success. Uh, so he's done a really good job, um, you know, bringing in younger guys, incorporating some of the older guys, you know, just the cohesiveness of the group. Um, you know, and I think that it helps that he's so structured and so organized because that's what we appreciated in Columbus, right? We, we showed up for training. We, we knew that we were going to love training every day, right? We, we was going to be, uh, structured, you know, we knew that we were going to be pushed to our limit, but not too far. Like everything was to a T. Um, and, and you just like to play for a coach like that, right? When you, you know what's asked of you, what's wanted of you. And, you know, it, not that it's so robotic on the field, but it's nice to have that structure. And then you can kind of free, free play off of that rather than you just, you know, playing for someone, you know, like Jurgen, where the, maybe it's not so tactically cohesive and you're just going out there and you're like, well, you're all, you're all good players. Just figure it out. <laughs> it's not that easy all the time, right? <laughs> No, I was going to say, Parky, that I think that structure, having that uh, that frame of reference, that that foundational base, helps you when things aren't going your way because you everybody knows what to lean back on and to think about when we don't have the ball when we're trying to chase it, and and it helps I think bring some calmness and doesn't uh, allow so much chaos and anxiety and stress to come into it. Now, because we have you on, and as I start to think about your career and everybody you've played for and all the experiences you've had, you've played for Ricardo Pepe's coach at Augsburg. You played for Greg Berhalter in Columbus. You also played for Tata Martino, as Charlie mentioned, for Atlanta United. So let's talk a little Mexico. And Tata Martino, didn't he win, what, 23 out of the first 25 games he was in charge? Everything was going great. Then he can't beat the U.S. over the last year, and then the sky's falling, but they still qualify for the World Cup. How do you think Tata's going to do heading into this World Cup, given their group with Argentina and, and Poland and, I believe, Saudi Arabia, right? So... Uh, you know, what, what do you think about their group and their chances under Tata, especially given your experience and all the success you had winning uh, MLS Cup with him? Yeah, I think that it was unjust. Um, it seemed like after every game, it was like, oh, Tata's going to get fired or Tata's on the hot seat. And I thought, man, you know, this is crazy. They're, they're you know, basically a point away from the U.S. team the whole time. Uh, so, you know, I didn't think they were ever really in doubt to not qualify. Um, so it was like, man, this is so crazy. The Mexico press is just so difficult on their head coaches. Um, you know, and I, and I love Tata, you know, even as a person, you know, he's just a, a calm demeanor, a great guy. And he always puts it all about the players, right? Not, not on the negative side, like when, it, when there's defeat, he'll take it. But he was never in front of the camera celebrating or in front of the, you know, clapping the fans or anything like that. And I, I actually look back and I think when we celebrated MLS Cup in the locker room and all that stuff, like he was, he wasn't there. 
And he just, he didn't care. Like he, 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 he I don't want to say he didn't care, but he just didn't want that to be on him. It was all about the players. Um, and I think the players really appreciate that. You know, I think just look again, looking from the outside, it looks like the players appreciate Tata. Like I, I can't remember who scored a goal. He went over and hugged Tata. That was right at a time where it was like, there was a lot of pressure on him. It was just like a message that like, Hey, the team's got his back. And so, um, you know, he, he has the experience of playing in, in World Cups and coaching in World Cups and, and big tournaments. So um, they'll be prepared. And similar to Greg now, uh, they're going to go after teams, right? How Tata plays is how he plays. Uh, and he's going to go after every team, including Argentina. She, nobody's better, uh, more well-prepared to play against Argentina than him. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're in a tough group, of course. But, you know, I, I'm really rooting for him personally uh, to do well with that group. Well said. Parker, I, I got one more question for you. Uh, and just so everybody knows in this group, I've known Parker's by far the longest out of any of you. So, okay. Uh, Here when, when, when would that We've start? been friends so longer curious. kind of thing. Uh, when did that start? Uh, <laughs> that would have been uh, residency 2000, 2000 I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah, maybe even before that. I, 90, I was down there yeah, at 98. Yeah, so, 90, yeah, so maybe 90. You got us beat. This is Y2K, you know, uh, okay. level like throwback. <laughs> this is Y2K. So I still got bottles of water from what was going to happen during Y2K, you know. Never did. Uh, but, uh, you know, par- Parkers, for, for you now, I mean, how much – we've talked about, actually a lot about these, these managers. Uh, have you seen an evolution of the manager and the player relationship uh, throughout your career? And, 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 you know, I guess if there's one thing that, that you would change, and you don't have to name any managers, but if there's one thing that you think needs to be implemented into the game from a managerial setting, just in terms of relationships with players and how much the younger generations have played, you talked about Miles Robinson coming through. I mean, what, what would it be or what have you seen uh, in terms of the, the game changing between the relationship of managers and players? That's a really good question. It's, and it's a, it's a really... Um a broad one because there's so many different things that go into it, right? Tata was a great coach uh, and a great manager, but only for like the top 14 guys on the roster, right? Miles Robinson did not get um, enough coaching. Under that's Tata. a really interesting point. Yeah, um, that's crazy. You know, he cared about winning and he, he knew the top 14, 15, 16 guys. That's who he needed to win. Right. Um, so miles didn't get the development that he needed, right? There, there are coaches that are better, with developing the overall roster of a team than others. Um, that was not one of Tata's strengths. Uh, so, you know, there's that, but I also think that there's, there's managers these days. Um, this, I don't want to single them out, but, um, th- single them out. sometimes single them out. Single them out. Um, name a name, name a name. <laughs> they're sometimes coming from South America that they're so focused on like, you know, this, 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 that they, they don't take into account like the human being and like, you know, having a manager to play for. Right. And oh, we all know those. Oh, right? you're talking we about all had those coaches. I think you're, that, I think you're talking about the old LA galaxy staff before Greg uh, Vanny came in. That's what, that's literally what they heard. They'd be like, Hey, sir, the whole team is in the red in terms of injury risk. And they're like, doesn't matter. We're going out and we're training harder today because like it's the mi- we got to get the mind going. Are you talking about Scalotto? Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I, I think yeah, he's talking about Gab- Gabriel Heinze, but it's all, okay. All of, them. <laughs> all of them. And, all and of them. I, and I just look back to my time with Stevie Nickel, right? And it was like Stevie and Paul and the Mariner, right? They, I mean, we didn't watch one session of film. We didn't work out in the gym. We didn't do tactics. None of it. Nothing. And okay, I'm talking about a different time era, right? It, it, things were different, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But there's something said 
for a, a coach that guys love, right? And they, they have a little bit of freedom and they're given that respect to be a good professional, but show up and train hard. And I think that's what Bruce gets out of guys, mm -hmm. right? They've got a little bit of freedom off the field. And then you have these structured guys where it's like, hey, you, you can't leave the hotel on a game day or, you know, you have to wear this, 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 and you have to eat at this time and this time. And there's no, there's no freedom a little bit. And so there's definitely a balance. And I think that that's some MLS teams are seeing that right now. And I think that that's why you're seeing like these American coaches coming back in where it was like before everyone was looking for the next foreign. Great. And now you're getting these USL guys promoted. You're getting young American guys promoted. Uh, so yeah, it's a balance. And, and Heath, one of the other things I always talk about is like, would you rather have a great manager or a great coach? And it's a little bit different. Um, and they don't always go hand in hand. Uh, With the so, national you know, team, it's manager, no doubt. You're at that level for a reason. You don't need, you know, a coach to be like, hey guys, we're going to work on technique here and here. No, this is my team. This is my formation and, and this we're going to play. You know, it's almost like you guys figure it out, but this is, this is the, our not strategy. under Greg. Greg wants to press. He wants yeah, to play out of everything. No. Look at Parky. Parky still has anxiety in his eyes from playing, <laughs> having, having to play against the Red Bulls. I can see that. I can see a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of trauma there. He from had like being like, he had a specific team he was talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, you know, we played out of it eight times, but uh, the two times, yeah, yeah. Bradley Wright For Phillips is doing his heel click in the corner." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love to see that. All right, Parky. Well, before we let you go, we are uh, starting a new tradition here where we talk about our favorite jersey swaps so given your illustrious career was there any jersey that you swapped with somebody or maybe one that you regret not getting when you had the opportunity during uh your time as a professional there's more i regret not getting than getting because i wasn't a big jersey swapper i was always afraid of like guys saying no like yeah the rejection you know, yeah <laughs> piss off you little nobody um yeah i did get a jersey from each of the champions league games that we played against um, that's awesome so who would you guys, who'd you guys who have in your group? group? Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, Juventus, and Shakhtar. Yeah, easy group, right? Who were the three? Who were the three? Uh, I heard you play in the knockout rounds. I assume you got through that group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one point was good enough to get through. Um, Davi Luiz uh, for Chelsea. Nice. Um, <clears throat> what about the second game? <laughs> no, I, only got, I only asked one time each. And honestly, uh, I got lucky with Luiz. Yeah, I asked like four other guys, and they all said no. And I was like, oh. Was was Norshland a Nike club by then? Because at least it was like a brand that somebody would want to trade for, you know, get like a Nike jersey as opposed to like no, H2O. H, H, I think it was H, H2O was the, was the brand when I was there, you know. It was Calvary and Calvary. Calvary would have been a step up. No, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure Davi Luis threw, the, threw my jersey in the crowd before he even got to the locker room. <laughs> <You're> like, Skyhook. <laughs> who was the Juve? Yeah, who was Juve? Uh, uh, Marquisio, Marquisio, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah Marquisio. that's a good one, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A good one. that's a good one, yeah, okay. Well, like, what how about your biggest regret though? You had an opportunity and you didn't take it. Who who would that be? Um, I, I wish I had gotten Pirlo's, um, when we when we played, so did him. Jimmy. <laughs> I don't want any throwbacks. Jimmy, I, I, I cannot believe Del Piero came up to this man, Jimmy. To trade, and he said, "No thanks." <laughs> I wanted Pierlos. There's a big. Can you imagine that? that? What a flex! Huh? Well, yeah, it is a flex. What it a is a flex. Oh wait, wait. Yeah. So Pierlo, what with NYCFC or was it national team or what was? Yeah, it? NYC. And, and I wish I had gotten a uh, Brazil jersey. Anybody on the team, honestly, when when we played Brazil and, uh, with the national team, um, I don't know why I didn't even get a jersey. Yeah. 
That's a shame. Yeah. So on that sad note, we're going to let Michael Parkers go. Michael <laughs> Parkers, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you, Parky. And thank you for all that insight. We're going to have you back on very, very soon because you've got a ton of insights. And uh, we love you, big guy. So keep being you. We'll, we'll see you soon. Good to, get to connect again, guys. Keep doing Michael your thing. Michael Parkers. Later, fellas. Michael Later. Parkers. Michael Parkers. Uh, I, I saw, all right, everybody. I We're going to take our... See come at you, uh, Jimmy. It was saying you swapped oh, with yeah, Stefano. Here it's we more go. like you here swapped with go. Franco Baresi. Didn't you go swap with him? <laughs> not that old, man. I'm not that old. All right, we're going to take our first and only break, but when we return... We're going to break down a little bit more of what we should want to see or want to see or hope to see with Miles Robinson now being out with our back line, especially for these June friendlies. And of course, we'll take any questions that you want to give us in the comments or hit us up on Twitter. ISWT pod will answer those in the future. That was awesome. Michael Parker's was just on. Make sure you hit like and subscribe on YouTube and hit subscribe and leave us a five star review on any podcast platform of your choice. We really appreciate all the support. We'll keep giving you good guests, including... Mr. Eddie Johnson, another former U.S. Men's National Team, is going to be joining us on Thursday. So Chuck can finally get his number nine talk with another yes. number nine that used to yes. wear the red, white, and blue instead of all me and Heath always bringing on defenders of Hector Moreno and Walker Zimmerman and whoever else we have on the show. So we appreciate your support. Keep it coming so we can keep getting those great guests because they want to be on and be a part of this community just like all of us. What I love about all these guys is they're just fans. They love the game and the team as much as mm. we do. So. Charlie, defenders, the defenders, the defenders, well, that's the strikers that's speaking. True. These guys, yeah. these guys, Charlie There's talks in third person sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so, like, so Heath, I'll come to you first as a, as a defender because Parky was a defender. Anything stand out from his, from his interview? Anything that he said that was like, wow, that's info I didn't know before? Or, or any, what, do, what, what do you think? No, I mean, it, it's just if it, I, I feel like Parker's was one of the him and Chad Marshall were ones that uh, for different reasons kind of screwed out of what I think should have been much more illustrious national team careers because of the way in which Parkhurst played, right? You could go 90 minutes and not see Parkhurst because he was always in the right spot to make the plays. He was never going to make that big challenge, that last-ditch effort, because he read, read the game quicker than other people. He did so many good things at such a high level that he simplified the game around you. And when you're on the field next to him, you just knew when you could take risks or you could cheat a little bit and he knew where to be all the time and there's just something about him that i i wish more people and, and he had and, and he got a lot of national team caps but i, I wish he would have gotten more uh for other people to see because if you look at his awards anywhere he played domestically he was the best player generally on on every team that he played on and it was unbelievable but but, but the thing that I, I i guess the point i was trying to get to is his intelligence like he he's he's a pretty soft spoken guy. He doesn't talk a lot during games, but his the way he sees the game, reads the game, understands the game. Like his IQ for football is so high, uh, and in real time is so fast that it's it's just really impressive. So when you hear him talk about it, it's just such a clear perspective and delivery that you go, man, you want this guy to be in the coaching world. You want him and to be not. close to players. Well, he's he's helping do some stuff, and I probably should have yeah. given him the opportunity to to advertise that. So we have to have yeah. to bring him on for yeah. sure. But I wish he was with an MLS club. I wish he was with U.S. soccer in some capacity because he's got so much to offer. Charlie, anything stand out for you about uh, anything out of the mouth of Michael Parker? I mean, just, just Pepe's situation at Augsburg. Yeah, I didn't know he played for his coach. I would have been yeah. like right there on that. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, I think – it goes a long way for him to say that's not going to be a place for him to play for him to really develop. So the coach must not really one, uh, have a, a compassion for an American player or Americans in general. Uh, and two, 
probably not a coach that's going to give you confidence, instill confidence in you and belief. So from that perspective, I don't know how you can part ways with a massive investment like that and, and allow him to leave, you know, without getting anything in return. And, you know, is it a loan? But you don't want to really get loaned from the Bundesliga because the probably the Where? only yeah, it's like where are you going to Belgium to a top club there, like Club Bruges or Andelect, or you come back to Major League Soccer. I mean, there's not too many moves you can make from from a loan move uh, from Augsburg. Yeah, that's it was an interesting comment as well. And I think a lot of people in the comments were saying the same. CJ is like, those comments about Augsburg and Pepe made me nervous about his future. It makes me wish that Parker's maybe could have got to Pepe first going, hey, I understand yeah. the money that's being thrown around, but here are about five things you need to take into consideration with this coach before you take that step. Because I get the sense that maybe Pepe had other opportunities, but it wasn't as tantalizing. I'm not sure he if he had other time. opportunities. That's my worry because his price tag was so high for his age and how little experience that he did. Like, I don't think Ajax put in the bid that could match Augsburg. And if you're FC no. Dallas, Ricardo Pepe also came out of that situation basically going public and saying, I want to leave the club. So it was already sort of soured by the time that he was going to go, that it was going to go to the highest bidder. If you're if you're FC mm -hmm. Dallas and you're trying to prove a model within your academy, like you're going to take that highest bidder. And I just don't see anybody else. I don't think Wolfsburg would have spent 20 mil. I mean, it was a massive fee. Uh, and for a club like that to come through, it, it just... And, and he said it like, you know, it's tough to say no to that. You you guys both know at certain points in your career, an offer comes through that you're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that money looks pretty good. Maybe this is what's best for me. And so I think a mix of probably being one of the few options and and tough to turn down is 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 a tough one uh, for sure. Yeah. Imagine if I access came in for like seven and a half or 10. They had mil, Sebastian you know? Hilaire. He's never going to play. Now, and I they know paid, that. They but paid them for that. They, they that paid, system they would help develop them quicker than this the dickhead at Augsburg that's they, coaching him. They paid that for Sebastian Hilaire around that, didn't they? Wasn't it 20 something? Yeah. But that was their yeah. biggest incoming transfer ever for Sebastian, <laughs> yeah. Sebastian yeah, Hilaire. So Pepe's never going to play yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So so is a moot point because that's not a place that you're going to go because you never see the field. No, that's fair. That's fair. I guess the other thing that jumped out for me about the Parkhurst interview was just his ties to all the national team coaches with Burhalter and <laughs> yeah. Tata Martino and I'm like, and, 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 you know, it's all these guys. I'm like, wow, this is, this is incredible. We should have had him on a long time ago because, because he's got so many dots that are connected to a lot of the things that we're talking about. But again, we'll have him on again soon. We appreciate Michael Parkhurst, his time and uh, his insight, of course. All right. All right let's I, us I, three. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say, well, I was going to say, given what he said and, and talking about Miles Robinson, we haven't really heard from either of you being all-star defenders. <laughs> Who should take this place? What, what is the pecking order now for that position? Give no, me one, crazy? Two, I had Aaron Long as my starter in June. Like, okay, who's two and three? You went, you went with Aaron Long because you thought that's what Greg was going to go with. Well, yeah, what, I, I, what, I just, what think, do you I just want? think Charlie's asking what you want, Heath. Okay, no one's ever Stop asked me. This yeah, please. Yesterday Stop was Mother's Day. It's back to me. <laughs> Yesterday was Mother's Day. Today it's about me again. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I weirdly, uh, I liked, and it's hard, Charlie, because I think you're right that Aaron Long has not been back to his best yet, but Aaron Long and the national team was pretty good. Now, it's a little duplicative with, with, with Walker Zimmerman in terms of the attributes they bring to the table, but Aaron Long has more pace and he put out more fires. He actually has quite a bit similar to Miles Robinson, just a little bit more experience going into uh, a professional experience and, and I guess big game experience going towards, towards the World Cup, and that's why I like him. Whereas Miles Robinson, 
like Parker, we I asked Parker about that dip in form because I didn't expect that from a Miles Robinson with the age that he is. I don't I didn't expect him to have this sort of setback of quality. Whereas Walker Zimmerman took his run and, and uh, took his chance and ran with it. I I expect that to be from from Aaron Long. So I expect him to be one number one uh, next to to him as well. I don't think John Anthony Brooks is back in the team because for the reasons Same. that Parker's mentioned, Same. like you're not going to follow. You don't really make sense. Like you got to be a, a starter and a leader. And if I'm not going to give you that. I don't really see where you 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 fit within this conversation. And then from there, I like the potential of Chris Richards. I like the potential of the form that Mark McKenzie's in right now. Uh, but again, it sort of missed a good amount of time for a lot of the season that I just wonder if there's any turning back for him with with Greg. Greg seemed to have liked him, continued to bring him in when he wasn't playing, but sort of kind of rounded that corner of not being called in again. And so I'm confused there from 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 where you go in terms of center backs. Cameron Carter Vickers, I think, will get his shot. Uh, I don't Again, think, yeah, if we're, if we're facing like wave after wave of attack against somebody, I think Cameron Carter-Vickers could be good. Again, I worried about just the quality of the ball at his feet and where he's at with that in his development. And then from there, um, I, I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing one You're here. missing Eric Palmer-Brown? Eric Palmer-Brown, Palmer Brown, yeah. Uh, he's one that I just need a bigger sample size. And I think Parker said it really well, not to keep going back to that, of like, I don't think we've seen enough of any of these guys to know who that number well, two is. That's why these, these friendlies are important, though, Heath, because – now, at least, I mean, I, I'm I'm disappointed that Miles Robinson and sad that Miles Robinson is hurt. But if he got hurt after these four friendlies or two friendlies and two Nations League games, and and now we only have two games in September to to test people, I'm, I guess I'm not trying to find a silver lining here. But but there is one that's emerged. At least now we know that we have to try a partnership with Walker, and these games are going to be really important to make that happen. We so were already kind of there anyway, but but. But the emphasis is there. By so the way, me, just just real quick, while you were gonna, before you say that, the fact that Parker's had him as CB one, and I I didn't just because of that last run of form, that would be a lot more worrying if we were rotating that other center back and we just lost Walker Zimmerman, who was the most consistent throughout qualifying um, above Walker Zimmerman. But the fact that Zimmerman's emerged gives me relief, knowing that previous to that, like, who would that have been? Where yeah. would we be now if we lost right. our CB one and and we don't have anybody else to? Like and we're still kind of trying to sort out the other position. So so here are the things that I'm looking at, and I'm gonna say it in order. Positioning, they have to understand how they move within the team. And and that why that's why those are those minutes with Walker and whoever the right back is, Serginho Des, whoever plays there in these friendlies is super important about when to step, when to drop. All that is incredibly important to the fluidity of our team and our team shape overall. That is key. Second thing that's very close to number one with regard to positioning is recovery speed. Now, I think that's a knock on Brooks. I think there's a knock on Cameron Carter-Vickers with regard to recovery speed. Uh, Walker Zimmerman might fall into that, that lack of recovery speed as well. We need somebody that isn't necessarily one of our outside backs. We, we, go, we know that Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson have good speed, but recovery speed is different. Both of you know this. It's that recognition that shit's about to hit the fan and there's some danger and I need to just be ready to go. I'm, I'm recognizing the danger and, and I can see that, that the worst case scenario. And so that falls into position a little bit too, but being having the ability to have the recovery speed to recognize the situation positioning and then to get there is recovery speed is super important. Third would be, Obviously, with the ball, can can we play out of situations, and and you know can can are we relaxed with the ball? Are we calm because that's going to calm everybody else down, especially if we're touching in that that area of the field seems to touch it quite a bit. So, and I like what Parker said actually too about playing under Greg. 
and not trying to play it into dangerous situations just to play because that's what the coach wants. Sometimes the game uh, necess- necessitates other things, and sometimes you just need to put it into the corner and turn them around, and then we can press from there. So, so I think I think Greg's actually evolved from that because we saw iterations of the U.S. team, especially against Mexico in New York, where I was there. We lost three zero, where Zach Steffen touched the ball more than Christian Pulisic because we tried to play out of every every single thing. And I think we've we've evolved from that. But those are the things that I'd be looking at. So when I think about those attributes. And that's why I wanted to get Parky's thoughts on this too. I don't know which player fits that the best because, again, to you guys' point, we don't have the sample size. Is it Chris Richards? Well, Is only it three players? I think. I think what we well, got: Chris Richards, Palmer Brown, and Mark McKenzie. I think are the three because if you could take out Brooks and Carter uh, Vickers, you might want to throw Aaron Long in there. I think. He okay, Aaron Long. Sorry, out. sorry. So you got four there. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know if you think Heath that Mark McKenzie's got. The, the recovery speed or I mean, yeah, he's got the recovery speed. Uh, but what about, I, you know, I mean, th- those are all the things that I'm thinking about with regard to let's leave Walker out of it. Just, just in terms of that position, but helping having Walker know that he can be the vocal guy and he can be the leader that kind of leads. Then you just need somebody that, that can just see what he's doing and, and then be prepared for whatever else we need from that other center back. Yeah. I mean, if they can step into midfield too. Eric Palmer Brown used to play holding midfield for our youth national team. So I think there's some value and yeah. potentially his ability to to see what it's like. If he's got a let's say let's say it is Palmer Brown. Let's give a situation. Palmer Brown comes in, plays against England. Harry Kane is immense at dropping into midfield. Well, okay, let's say it's Eric Palmer Brown. He follows Harry Kane. He wins the ball. He's very comfortable in that that spot in the field to help us transition into the attack. So, just just a little thing just to throw in there situationally. It's all about compatibility. It's always about compatibility in terms of the two center backs. You you lose. Robinson and, and Miles Robinson was so great at covering ground. I think where he needs to really improve with the national team was the ball at his feet. Although he has improved, I think he still had a, a ways to go. Mark McKenzie has the recovery speed. I mean, that year he had with the Philadelphia Union when the won the supporter shield, he was fantastic. But I think when it comes up to the national team level, international, it's been a little shaky. And I don't think the confidence has been there. And and that comes with repetition and we're not in a in we're not in the mindset of giving players caps to get catch up, you know. Right, so right. I think that knocks him down the totem pole in terms of who's going to be that guy because Greg Berhalter is going to rely on who he can trust, who he's confident in. So then that that brings you to Aaron Long, and that brings you to Chris Richards, who has done it, but now he's a little bit injured, you know, coming out of a foot injury, then now hamstring injury, so. These are valuable minutes right now for young center backs playing in Europe. I think so, ultimately so, it's going to come down to Aaron Long, who's played 10 games this year in MLS, has scored two goals. And he, so in the last match against the Portland Timbers, he scored. And then Eric Palmer Brown, who's playing consistently. Those two players are playing game in, game out, and playing well. Cameron Carter Vickers is playing, but he doesn't offer you that same recovery I mean, he's, speed and pace as as miles robinson and those two. yeah i guess he's kind of more of the walker zimmerman of the center back mm-hmm. pairing is cameron carter vickers and, and john anthony brooks for all those clamoring for him right. as well now everybody if you want to join in on this conversation hit us up in the comments what are the three factors for you put them in order that are, you think are the most important in this center back position especially if they're pairing with walker zimmerman if you consider him our first center back and i think all three of us do and then hit us up at iswt pod on twitter we'd love to get your thoughts there on the twitter drop us a follow we'd love that keith what are you saying who 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 do you think we're going to see against morocco on june 1st at that center back i mean the thing that i mean i mean i still think uh i still think uh aaron long and walker zimmerman but i what i'm most worried i, I i'm actually curious more in this from from you guys 
are you guys at all worried about this team, this defense? Like at a World Cup level, are you worried about this defense? Or do you think we're as good as we think we are defensively? Now we've lost Robinson and Robinson had his had his flaws. And I wasn't sold on him being at the World Cup level yet from the dip in form. But when he was previously, I was like, this guy's lights out. But are you not at all a little bit worried about Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long are lining up against England? Um, like, can we actually, is that, is, is that good enough? Go ahead, Charlie. You're the center back. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I, I'll say that I'll just lean on my World Cup experience because when I got picked to play or be a part of the team, a 23-man roster for 2006. I I was one. I was only so there's 30 pundits picked the teams before, and I remember seeing this. And the only one, only one pundit picked me to be on the World Cup roster in 2006, and it was Marcelo Balboa because he saw. And I talked to him afterwards. He's like, I saw how you fit into the team and under Bruce's kind of thing, and because of this compatibility that you're talking about, that I can play with Gooch or I can play with. Eddie Pope and and I it can be seamless and I know how to 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 move with these guys and I know what their I know what their instincts are. So I know when Gooch is going to go step and I know when he's going to drop off and I think that's really important as well. But I had plenty of friendlies and plenty of trainings with those guys that maybe have a little bit more than the the guys that we're looking at right now. So I think there's got to be someone that can adapt to certain situations is somebody I would look at. It does make me a little bit nervous that Chris Richards is a bit brittle right now and seems to be getting hurt a lot more. And I understand when you're coming back from an injury, especially a foot injury, you're probably running a little bit different, right? Your form's a little bit different because you're either consciously or subconsciously trying to not step in that same spot to not hurt your foot. That's normal when you're coming back. So I'm not surprised he has a hamstring injury, but that gives me some concern. Then you got Cameron Carter-Vickers, who I want to see. You know, maybe that is the pairing. Maybe him and Walker are going to be the best pairing. We just have to see it, and we have to give it a shot. So, so yeah, this is tough. I, I, I don't know exactly. But but ultimately, I brought my me up because I think a lot of people thought, why, why what? I mean, Twitter wasn't in full effect, so people weren't uh, bashing why Jimmy Conrad's going. But I'm sure there are a lot of thoughts going. I don't know if this guy fits. I don't know if he's good enough. I don't know if he's World Cup level, to your, your point, Heath. And that's fine. That, that would have been a fair argument, but – you don't know who's going to emerge and step up when the time comes. And so I feel like you have to see some of the intangibles and I think that will emerge. And I'm sure Greg already has, and he's already identified it. I mean, I think he's made it clear that John Anthony Brooks is not going to go with him for some of these intangibles that I don't think we're aware of, but maybe will come to light as time passes on. I don't know if there's a straight answer for this, but I do want to see some of the partnerships moving together. I thought that the miles Robinson Walker Zimmerman line, I said it before, I'm going to continue to say it. The line that they held in Mexico City at Azteca was fantastic. They didn't drop too deep. They weren't too high. Didn't leave too many gaps. And if we can figure out a way to mimic that, then I think that's going to put us in a good spot, especially as it pertains to Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest and making sure that balance of who goes forward and who stays back and, and really taking those risks in a way where if we can create numerical advantages that wide, we got to take it, but not to the point where it's a complete detriment to our team going back. Anyway, you're, I, I don't think I answered your question. I am a little bit nervous, Heath. I, I will say that we're losing an option that we know and we, we have trusted, and he's shown up in big games for us. And so when you lose somebody of that quality, it hurt, it hurt, it 100% hurts the team. But 
now, as Charlie said before, it's a great opportunity for somebody. I was, I, I was waiting for you to answer, answer this. Heath, this was the longest answer in history mm-hmm. about well, are you nervous or are you not nervous? Well, well I was, I was channeling my inner Heath Pierce. I mean, clearly you're nervous, Jimmy. You're <laughs> rambling. <I'm> rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I was just ramble.com. Hey, hey <laughs> I, know, I know we're getting close to the end of the show, but while we were talking to Parker's, I was searching for some different things to just see what games Parkers and I had played together and whatnot. And I come across this Gold Cup Granada uh, commentary from soccer, uh, from, from Ives Gallership on Soccer by Ives. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a few snippets from his, this like sort of uh, whatever it's called, the live whatever, when you're, when you're like kind of commenting throughout the game. What's it called? Live blogging? I yeah, know. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So pregame, 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 whatever. We're going into the game. First minute starts. We go into the uh, fourth minute. Uh, slow start to the match. Does Heath Pierce have a buzz cut? He used to have some of the best hair on the national team. Funny, <laughs> Here we go. funny, oh, no. funny, funny what a slump will make you try to do. Okay. <laughs> oh, and this is Ives. Like what a POS he is for this. Uh, you fast forward, <laughs> fast forward. Oh, 13th minute. Heath Pierce with a bad touch and giveaway. Not a good start for him. And then uh, you go on to like late into the, into the half. And uh, we start to get uh, Charlie Davies comments, which is great. Uh, not uh here it is a great sequence marshall long ball to pierce who sends it uh who sends right into a wide open davies who finishes it off with these beautiful stuff not sure about the davies gold dance maybe that's big in sweden uh, <laughs> is he out of his mind yeah it's it, there's like it's 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 basically com- it's basically comedy commentary which at the time was probably great for the emerging fan but man Right. He came after us in a lot of these whole things. <laughs> Jimmy, well, we're, in the, in the opening, amazing. though, and I don't actually remember this. Did you dress for that game or not dress or something? Because it says there was a couple guys that didn't dress for the Granada game, 2009 Gold Cup, uh, and they thought it was Ching. I didn't follow. I haven't read. No, the whole, I, yeah, whole I didn't dress code. for that one because yeah. they were resting. I don't know. They're just rotating the squad. Yeah, they said we, yeah, we were playing against Honduras soon, and it was a bigger game, and that it was likely you and Parkers were going to be starting in that one. Um which was which is what I was looking for information on that sort of stuff, but yeah, um, I, I didn't know if we all four of us got on the field at one point or not. Um, that would have been awesome if time. we had, yeah. but it didn't seem like I we think had. I think we did. That's a, no, I don't know. We'll have to look that. It would have had to be that for next yeah. time. Yeah, you know what though, we might have done it together with our next guest, who's coming on Thursday. Everybody, Eddie Johnson, yeah, former U.S. Men's National Team striker hey. and longtime friend of all of us. Eddie Johnson is coming on Thursday. That'll happen 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, because this show is over, everybody. No, it is done. It is dusted. Keep it going. I, I know I want to keep it going, but then you called me ramble.com, and I just <laughs> I, I feel like we got to stop. Ramble. No more rambling. No, ramble. no, more, no more rambling. So on behalf of producer Dez, producer Alex, Charlie Davies, Heath Pierce, and Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust. Hit like and subscribe anywhere you can hit those buttons. If you see them, just hit them, because we appreciate your support. And we'll see you next time. Later. Thank you.